I'm always talking about how it is possible to change your life by just focusing on getting 1% better every day, how the little things really do add up, and that can be as small as integrating a new supplement into your day-to-day routine like Seed's DSO1 Daily Symbiotic. It helps benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I personally have loved integrating Seed into my day-to-day routine. My digestion has never been better. I feel so much better and I truly notice a difference when I'm not taking it. When I take it consistently, I feel so much better. My digestion is better and I've never really experienced something like this from a probiotic. So that's why I continually go back to seed and notice a difference when I stop taking it. Trust your gut with Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash Alana and use code 25ALANA to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash Alana code 25ALANA. Thank you, Seed, for sponsoring today's episode of Morning Ray. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Celebrity voice impersonation, not an endorsement. Why go to a single furniture store when you can go to Big Sandy Superstore? Shop and compare America's top five mattress brands, plus Nectar and Purple. And choose from over 22,000 in-stock appliances from the top brands at the guaranteed lowest price. Or furnish the room of your dreams with a large selection of American-built furniture. With financing plans for just about anyone, there's nowhere else quite like it. Big Sandy Superstore. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, good morning, angels, and welcome back to Morning Ray. I'm your host, Lanny, and and I'm really excited for today's episode. I have Jennifer Ritchie, the CEO and founder of Revolution PR. Revolution PR is a top sustainable lifestyle public relations agency for healthy food and craft beverage, consumer goods, fitness, natural beauty, green living, and ecotourism. Their mission is to leverage their expertise to protect the planet and improve the human experience. It was a really interesting 
episode and talk with Jennifer. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. I know I enjoyed talking to her and I learned a lot about PR and her perspective on the health and wellness influencer community. And if you're someone who is interested in pursuing a career in PR, is just interested in PR in general, is interested in influencer relations, how PR and influencers work together, this is definitely an episode for you. And I'm so excited for you guys to listen. But let's get into our weekly intentions. So my weekly intention is to curate daily to-do lists to keep me sane and organized. So I've been using daily to-do lists to help me plan out my days and figure out what tasks I'm going to conquer that day. And this to-do list has everything from what classes I'm doing, if I have a work shift, little tedious tasks, whether it be taking notes for a class, responding to an email, etc. And I want to keep doing this because I started doing it this past week when I'm recording and I've been feeling really good doing this. This leads me into my tip of the week as always, and that is to utilize my notes app on my iPhone to make the to-do list that I can be able to check them off and hold myself accountable. So I showed this on my stories on Instagram, but essentially I have a little note on my notes app and it's called to-do list. And then on there I have today and overall. So overall I have all the tasks and things that I want to get done within the next like week or so. And then under today in the morning, I've been taking tasks from that list and putting them under today. And I'm using the check off like to-do list function on the notes app so that I'm able to check them off. It's really satisfying. And I got this idea from my bestie, Noam Raider, Noam R Wellness on Instagram. So I highly recommend. It's been keeping me sane and really been helping me keep the burnout away. Now I was super lucky and fortunate to see my therapist tomorrow today over FaceTime. I hadn't seen her in two weeks. So it was a really good session. We were just checking in. Honestly, now it's just like kind of tune-ups, but today we're talking about the different dimensions that we have to keep in balance in order to not feel off of balance and to prevent burnout. And these dimensions are your physical, mental health, your emotional, spiritual, social, environmental, and occupational. And Tamar brought these up because I was talking about how I felt like I was on the edge of burnout and I took control of it by cleaning up my space. When I get overwhelmed, I tend to leave tedious tasks like folding laundry or putting away mugs and dishes that I brought up to my room or leaving things in my room and my space gets really cluttered. And I do struggle with OCD like tendencies. So this can really clutter my mind as well. So I need a clean space in order to have a clear mind and a calm mind. And so that was affecting my environmental dimension, which was triggering into my mental and emotional. So it is really important that you make sure all these dimensions, your physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, social, environmental, and occupational. So that is your job, your career, maybe you're in school. So it's like your education. If one of them is off, you feel off. Tamar gave me this analogy of high heels. So picture your high heels and know the little grips on the bottom of your shoes and So as you wear your shoes, they start to wear out. One side may be thicker than the other. And if it happens to your heels, it can lead you to be kind of off balance. So kind of picture that as like a dimension being off. You kind of feel off balance. It can lead you to feel a little burnt out. So how do you get back on track and rebalance yourself? How do you get your car out of the ditch and back onto the road? So that's what my therapist said. And if you're feeling off, 
maybe look into one of your dimensions, whether it be physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, social, environmental, or occupational, and see if one is off because if one is off, then you're going to feel off. And that is how I prevent burnout. And I didn't even realize, but I was doing this before my therapist even told me. Now on to, you guys know, my favorite segment, my current faves, obviously, you know, they're my favorites, but I have three this week and I'm just realizing now they're all food related. So bear with me. I am a foodie, but I promise this is not sponsored, although it was sponsored on Instagram, but this is not sponsored. And it's the BioSteel electrolyte drinks. And I have them in blue raspberry and peach mango. And I've been having one every single day since they got delivered to my house. They do have an artificial flavor. I will admit to that. But, you know, I actually really love it. And they're super hydrating. They satisfy my sweet tooth. They're low in sugar. And you know what? I'm kind of vibing with them. So I recommend those. My second favorite are the Whole Foods chocolate chip cookies, specifically the mini vegan chocolate chip cookies. Guys, if you have a Whole Foods near you, you need to get this from the bakery section because I just finished the box today. I had them for about a week. I've been having one to two every day and they are delicious. Picture the perfect chewy cookie, kind of like Pillsbury, but vegan. And they're so delicious. They're not healthy by any means, but I love them and I'm very sad that they are done. And now my third and final favorite are zoodles, aka zucchini noodles. You know, I've been really liking them. It's a really easy way to get your greens in. It's a really good light meal and you're getting veggies. And I like to have them with pesto, tomatoes, sometimes mushrooms, a little feta or parmesan. And it is chef's kiss amazing. So those are my favorites. I'm going to have Jennifer come on the pod now. I'm super excited for you guys to hear this episode. I think it's a really great one and there are a lot of tangible takeaways. So definitely get out your notebook or tune in and listen. But I hope you guys enjoy this episode with Jennifer Ritchie, the founder and CEO of Revolution PR. And let's bring on Jennifer. So I'm here with Jennifer, the founder of Revolution PR. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. So as always, I always ask my guests, who are you, where are you from, and what is your zodiac sign? I love that. So my name is Jennifer Ritchie. I am the CEO of Revolution PR. We are a lifestyle public relations firm focused on really finding and promoting those sustainable brands that are out there making our lives better. I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio. Um, I left pretty quickly after graduating high school, went to college, lived in Boston, and now I'm in Seattle, Washington. And my zodiac sign, which is so true to me, is Sagittarius. Ooh, I'm a Leo. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know very many. Yeah, that's good. I'm like, I don't know very many Leos, but it's a lion. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. Right? It is a line. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know what mine is. It's like half horse, half human. It's kind of weird. <laughs> I have no idea. But I think a Sagittarius, it's a fire or water sign. Uh, fire? I'm fire. Are you fire okay. too? Yes, oh, I'm yeah. Fire. So the fire signs do well together. But when you put yes. us with a water sign, not so good. <laughs> yeah, so funny. I love it. So this is going to be like a fiery, feisty episode because we have our fire energy. <laughs> Yes, let's hope for it. 
tell me a little bit about yourself, Jennifer. Like, what was your background? Yeah. What led you to PR? What degree did you do in university? Yes. Tell me all about it. Okay. So um, I actually went to college and to study pre-law. I fell under the spell of, you know, probably every young person whose parents say, oh, we need a lawyer in the family. You're going to be a great lawyer. You're so argumentative, you know. So I was convinced that that was my path. Uh, So I started college um, and I was planning to go pre-law. Halfway through, I met environmentalism has always been kind of at my center, even though it wasn't a very popular conversation when I was in college. It wasn't where it is today. We didn't talk about climate change. And I wanted to practice environmental law. And so I reached out to a few environmental lawyers um, in the town where I went to college. And I had this like heart to heart with this woman who was basically like, you're not going to be able to save the world. And moreover, you're going to be mired in politics and in a system that is going to, you know, be very difficult and be really time consuming and be really lonely. And I had started to experience that studying law because you do so much research in the library and you're on your own. And I'm a really social person. So it was a struggle for me. And I began to kind of see the why behind that. I had decided to take some communication courses also and in my junior year, really fell in love with that path and had an amazing advisor and decided to double my major and take a summer, essentially go summer school from junior to senior year to be able to double major in communication. So my, my majors are political science and communications. And I really, it was the wisest choice I could have made. So I then went and started to do internships. My first internships were at nonprofits. So I worked with the United Way for two years, actually, um, and did summer intern programs with them. And then I decided I wanted to leave Ohio, um, I think as many people do from the Midwest, and Mm -hmm. decided to move to Boston. I went there under the idea that I was going to have a job working for an investment company. Uh, in their communications team. And when I arrived and started that position, I really found myself just like getting people's coffees. And Mm -hmm. I get it like, that's kind of the way to the top. But it really, it was it didn't work for me. And I really felt like I had more to give. And so I quit without another job and had to temp for a while. But then I found my way into a small PR firm that was like a four person PR firm. And it's exactly what I wanted and needed, which was the opportunity to do everything. So in a small boutique PR firm like that, you can do everything that you're willing to do and that you can demonstrate a capacity for and and be able to deliver on. And so I only spent a year there, but I essentially learned all the block and tackles of PR in that year. And then I went on to work for a 100-person PR firm um, that was in the city. I was essentially living in Mm -hmm. Boston and commuting outside the city for this job, which was the main reason I didn't want to continue to do it because it was like an hour each way. And I wanted to take the train. And, you know, so um, I went to work for uh, the Weber Group and then moved out to the West Coast to open an office for that company. We grew that office to 45 we then acquired Shandwick International and became Weber Shandwick. And so my my background is really in big agency PR, and I focused on emerging technologies. And so I loved working with entrepreneurs. I felt like you could have the most impact. You could influence their business more holistically. Mm-hmm. It was exciting. It was new. And then through the acquisition, our client base changed. We were going to be working with larger companies like Microsoft at the time was a really big client and probably still is for Weber Shandwick. And I saw an opportunity to leave and start Revolution. And and with that, you know, take the things that I thought worked really well and, and then leave the things that didn't work for me behind. And one of the most important things to me was I wanted to change the client PR firm relationship. 
that service relationship is so delicate. And in so many instances, you know, companies are disappointed with PR or their PR firms or their PR team often. It's something Mm -hmm. I hear, you know, when I have new business calls with people who have had a PR firm, they say like, oh, it didn't go as well as I thought it was going to. And so I really wanted to redefine that and create um, a relationship that whether it lasted four months or 14 years um, was very positive and that everybody's expectations were met and that the value of PR was clearly delivered. Mm -hmm. I love that. And so how old were you? Like in what part in your career did you step away from working for a company and go on your own and start Revolution? I was 28. So I felt very young to be doing that, but it also felt like the right thing to do. And for me, there was a woman who was kind of on a similar journey to me, and she was just a couple of years older, Rebecca, who turned, you know, who became my business partner. She and I both worked in Boston together, and she worked in the consumer technology leg, and then she moved to Portland. And so we really worked together, you know, within this Pacific North, Northwest office, and we shared clients. And so when I told her I was leaving, she said, yeah, we're going to go together. And at the time, we were having to let people go because of September 11th. And at the time there was a technology Mm -hmm. kind of bust. Um, And so we were able to take a few people with us that, you know, would have otherwise been laid off and kind of restart the journey. So I felt young, but I felt well supported. And sometimes I think when you're young like that and you, you don't have the fear that you get Mm -hmm. as you grow, (laughs) you're more successful, you know? (laughs) Yes. Cause you're a little naive to what could go wrong. Yeah. And you don't have as many responsibilities, you know, like now I have a family, I have two kids. Like if I just like, you know, turn my life upside down, you know, the impact would be more significant. And now I feel like I'm in the decade of, you know, work is really important, Mm -hmm. but what's more important is like what brings you more, you know, joy and the people that bring you joy and and having time to be creative. And so, so I definitely think like, there's that balance, like being an entrepreneur when you're really young and then when you have more responsibilities or more people in your lives, then you can have the time. Yeah, I feel my sister works in PR. She's actually 29 and I can see she sometimes struggles to find that work-life balance and she'll be working to the late hours of the night on some campaign or project for a client. And I try to get her to balance it as much as she can. And I see her, she's working really hard to try to find that balance and know when it's time to switch off the computer and to maybe go on a walk outside or to do a workout. Or now she has a new puppy, so spend time with the puppy. Um, But PR can be a lot of work. And I do think that's like where hustle culture really came from. So what was the process like of starting a PR agency back in 2002? Like what was it like? Give us like a little rundown, a little summary about it. Yeah. So I had some great connections already. So that's really helpful in terms of like, who could our clients be? You know, Mm -hmm. Rebecca and I came together and said like, let's list the 10 companies each of us knows that we can reach out to for BizDev. I made our first website. I essentially took a class on coding because WordPress didn't exist or Squarespace. And I designed our first website. We were originally, we had come up with a few different names and we really wanted Revolution. We thought we weren't going to get to have it. So we had kind of started as Emerge and then we found out we could have it. Hire a really good accountant and a really good lawyer out of the gate. I mean, that was the couple of things we really invested in to make sure that as a corporation, we were set up correctly and that all of our papers were in order. 
um, that we had books that, you know, were set up. And then, you know, Rebecca and I just divided and conquered. We said, like, she said, I can handle the accounting side. You handle the, you know, biz dev side and the marketing side. Um, and then, you know, we were off the ground really pretty quickly. And it was it's largely through word of mouth that we really became successful mm-hmm. and that still continues to be, you know, what drives our success. I've over the last, you know, years, I've put more of a concerted effort into business development, um, mostly because, you know, there are companies that we really want to work with. So we're really being more assertive and going after those companies, but it's really about just those connections and really creating great connections. And, and that's so much about what PR is about. It's connections with influencers, connections with media, connections with companies, and, and just having like being really open to kind of what unfolds. I like a hundred percent believe in that that you put something out there and the universe will help to kind of transform yes. that. It's like one of the seven social laws of success, right? You can't really force things. You kind of have to be willing to kind of let go of some of that control. And, and you know, and at the same time, you know, be clear about what you want, you know, because mm-hmm. in the beginning, I, we definitely took on clients where, you know, I felt like we were mistreated or I feel like the, a lot has changed from then to now, but, you know, being women business owners, you know, we definitely had a lot more to prove out of the gate. Um, yeah, for sure. And I think this is where like boundary setting needs to come into play. And I do think like as women, maybe we aren't really taught about setting boundaries and really, you know, thinking about your sister as an example, you know, I have so many friends yeah. who are like work crazy hours and I'm like boundaries, like, where are your boundaries? You've got to set boundaries. You can't set them for yourself. Then you can't set them for anybody else. And then you're kind of yes. just like, you know, there's no intention in that. From when you started to now, how many clients did you have when you started and how many clients would you say are like on your roster now? Yeah, that's funny. You know, it ebbs and flows for sure. So when we started, I think we had three. We started with three and now we always have around probably like 10 to 15 clients you know, that come and go. Um, we have some clients who we just do projects with a few times a year, every year, year after year. And then we have, you know, clients that we've worked with for a decade. So you know that I'm a wellness and fitness, I don't like to say influencer, I guess I'm a content creator. What wellness and fitness trends do you see on the horizon from the viewpoint of a PR agency? Yeah, so that's so interesting, because I have really been giving this a lot of thought because I because things are changing now. And I think COVID gave everybody kind of a chance to like evaluate what wellness meant or means as a whole. And, and I think one of the things that really has emerged for all of us over this last year, year plus is inclusivity. So mm-hmm. I feel like wellness and fitness is going to be much more inclusive. I think there are going to be people of all ages you know, on a wellness journey or on a fitness journey. I'm hoping that we're going to have more diversity in terms of ethnicities um, on a wellness or on a fitness journey, more, you know, more body diversity. You know, I think what we tend to see in that sort of like fitness wellness space is like often very white Mm -hmm. and people who are already pretty fit um, and people who are like, you know, in their 20s and 30s and maybe 40s. But I anticipate that really evolving and being much more inclusive sort of across the board. I also am feeling like wellness as a word is starting to have a little bit of um, a potential negative perception. And one thing I think that I'm curious to see if that's going to change is just how it's being positioned. If it's going to be more about like 
you know, a journey versus a trend. Yeah, I even I work at Lululemon in store as an educator. I'm actually in the process of interviewing to become a key leader, which is a supervisor position. And this past year, Lululemon introduced IDEA, which is inclusive, diverse, equitable, and actionable. And it's now like a huge part of our core values as a company. And we're constantly being trained on language around size, especially now with our size range being extended to size 20 from zero, trying on the floor, like not to compare someone. So instead of using, oh, is your girlfriend or whoever bigger than me, smaller than me, do they look like them? Are they around their size? How do they compare to the mannequin? Stopping Mm -hmm. that comparison and stopping with using bigger or smaller and just being aware of your words. So I definitely think that there is a big change coming. And even in our posters in the store like we're starting to see a lot more diversity in the models that are used not only in the size but also in their ethnicities which I think is really amazing and I'm starting to see that as well like in the influencer marketing space yeah I mean I think we need that to be amplified um, I have friends and you know several local people who are um, you know brand ambassadors for Lululemon and again they kind of fit that same fitness mold it'll mm-hmm. be exciting to see people outside of that mold especially because um, you know, Lululemon was so much about like a low impact lifestyle with mm-hmm. yoga. And so it did seem like out of the gate, it was going to be a much more inclusive brand. So yes, I'm excited sure. to see that too. And, you know, it's been a, it's really been a reckoning. I think the last year for everybody has really been a reckoning. You know, what's interesting for us is like, I'm so much more selective about the clients that we partner with. I'm really thinking about like, how, how are we presenting ourselves? Are we presenting ourselves as an agency who embraces inclusivity? And, and I'm really thinking about how can we apply all that's good out there to everybody, not just to people who have a certain socioeconomic mm-hmm. status or, you know, where they live or what color their skin is or what size and shape their body is. So that's really an exciting path forward. I think so too. And I think this past year was something that was really needed. And I'm really happy that it's not such a taboo topic anymore. Like it's on the conversation of almost anyone and everyone and positive changes being happen is being seen. And even if it's small little things right now, small changes lead to bigger changes and it will just spiral into something greater and bigger. Yes, I agree. Yes. How can PR and influencer relations work together for the good? What do you see in this beneficial in the relationship? So that I love how this question was kind of presented or put out there um, because one of the things that I really feel like influencers have the power to do, and I've been reading about this, I've been reading about um, influencers calling out other influencers for promoting fast fashion. I think it's kind Mm -hmm. of a fascinating space to watch right now. But I really do feel like, you know, the opportunity for PR firms and influencers to actually come together to say, oh, these are the brands we're most excited about. These are the brands that are really deeply committed to the environment, to inclusivity, to diversity. Let's work together to help raise them up. Let's partner on a program where we can amplify everything that they're doing. And I think there's it's going to require some Uh, you know, more selectiveness, you know, like, just like I'm saying, I feel like for me, I'm being more selective about the clients we partner with, because that's the change I feel like needs to be made. And I do feel like that 
you know, as we partner with influencers, we're going to continue to really look for those influencers that are, you know, that are asking themselves, like, why am I doing this? What's my intention here? Because at the end of the day, you know, if the answer is to make money, it's probably not going to bring you joy. It's, yeah. it's probably going to feel pretty hollow. And so I want to engage with those influencers where the why is something bigger, where it's like, The why aligns so much with what we're trying to do that, you know, magic can happen. And that's when I feel like their engagement, you know, can become deeper and more authentic. Yeah, I know for me, I always try to connect and maintain a connection with any individual who reaches out on behalf of a PR agency. I could be the marketing student in me and that I love networking and building those connections and for also potential career options. Because I don't know if I want to do influencing full time. I don't know if I want to go off and be an entrepreneur right away. I might want to get some corporate experience working for a company. But I think those connections are really important. And I've used those connections and I've gone to them for advice and we've given each other advice and it's mutually beneficial. And I think that's so important. Whenever I have a positive experience working with an individual on a brand collaboration, I'm always telling them that if you have any other future opportunities of brands that you think I would be a perfect fit for, I'd love to hear about them. And I'm open to hearing about them, whether there's a budget or not a budget. Like for me, it's really not about the money. It's, it's a bonus. I love that. And that's the other thing, like as an agency, we typically like to partner um, with an influencer who's willing in the in the first engagement to just give us feedback without payment. So the thing that we will never do is tell our client to go through an influencer marketing program or execute an influencer marketing program that's purely paid because the authenticity is not there then. So it's like, I want to reach out and say, hey, can we send you these you know, beautiful beauty products and get your feedback? And if you happen to love them and want to share them in a social story, great. But mostly we just want to get your feedback. We want to understand kind of what you think about them. And I think we need to expand that to even say like, should we partner? What would a partnership look like? What ideas do you have? Because I think the other part of the puzzle that's kind of missing is PR people go to an influencer and say, we want X, Y, and Z. And guess what? X, Y, and Z is just like every other X, Y, and Z. And Mm -hmm. so we're like stuck in a sameness that doesn't differentiate the brand doesn't differentiate the product. So I do think there's some good collaboration opportunity. And I love that you have that you're building that right, because I think the fact that you're building it and talking about it will open the door for other influencers and other PR people to think about it that way, or even just someone on the brand side who's engaging in influencer marketing to say, like, what ideas do you have? And like, again, it goes back to like, let's make some magic. Like, let's not just do it. Let's not hit repeat. How boring. You know, (laughs) whenever a brand or a PR agency on behalf of a brand reaches out and they have this whole, they either want me to say a script or the deliverables are so specific. I always try to, in a very respectful manner, I try to educate them on the benefit of allowing me to, to give me those creative freedoms because I know how my audience and my community engages and interacts and what's going to perform well and convert them versus like doing such a scripted, I like to call it hashtag ad, hashtag sponsored content. Like I'm not about that. Like, I don't want to be here sitting. I'm like picking up like an Excel. I don't want to be like smiling here. Like, no, like I want to integrate it like a very organically and authentically. And 
I always choose brands that I stand behind or I would actually that I actually purchase or I would purchase or I connect with their values and what their pillars are and I think that's so important and that can get so lost by so many influencers and so many PR agencies because they just want the quick buck so I'm happy that you're on the same page as me (laughs) I know I love that and I do I really feel like there's an opportunity to educate the influencer community about that and this goes back to value like at the end of the day like what's the value you're delivering to that to that brand and really thinking more deeply it's it's not just about your post (laughs) you know like it's what's the value behind that is it about the content is it about the quote is it about the storytelling is it about you know a new type of community that they've never considered reaching I also am like really inspired by influencers who will kind of think outside the box a little bit about like what they're promoting. So I love it when beauty influencer comes in with something a little different. Maybe it's like a new outfit or a beauty product. You know, their hands are always dry because they're washing dishes so much if you're cooking that much. Like, you know, I feel like it's like when influencers can pull in products in that kind of a way, it sounds like what you do, um, mm-hmm. you know, then people are like, oh, she suggests that lotion. That's amazing, you know, and then it actually works. And then that company can actually see the value. But again, like it could be my sign going back to the Sagittarian thing, but mm-hmm. I'm so I'm kind of so bored with, you know, status quo of um, influencer promotion. I'm ready for it to evolve. And I'm really curious, like to know where it's going. Like I'm, I have to think you must be feeling the same way or your community must be feeling the same way. Like what's next? You know, yeah, what, are, what I'm can so you guys interested do? By that. Yeah. Well, you're going to maybe TikTok, right? Will you do some dancing with your gum? <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Maybe I could do like a cool like juggling trick and like pop it into my mouth. <laughs> Something with bubbles. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I like that. We love it. How do you work with influencers in 2021? Um, How are you reinventing the influencer space? You talk about how you want to see these changes. How do you go about pitching proposals for working with companies so that you can try and encourage that change in the content that's being produced and put out? 2020 was such a lost year. I mean, for everybody. And I am like, prior to when COVID hit and the lockdown started, Influencer marketing was like 50% of our business. Like we had robust influencer marketing programs at play and COVID changed that. And companies, it was kind of like, it appeared to be like what was happening with advertising. Companies were just like, "Er, we're not spending any more money, you know? And so whenever we brought up influencer marketing as part of a campaign, clients were like, nope, I need something where I can demonstrate the ROI really clearly where I know exactly what the outcome is going to be and how valuable it's going to be and how I can apply it to other parts of my business. And so we saw this really significant shift back into traditional PR and traditional media relations from companies who were really looking for that third-party validation. They wanted new distribution channels um, to SEO, you know, the sort of like SEO authority becoming like Mm -hmm. a really popular piece of the puzzle again. Um, And so we have done very little in the way of influencer marketing over the past year. And I'm not going to lie, it's been a really hard sell. Um, So that's something that we're exploring and thinking about, like, what does the move forward look like? Um, I spoke on influencer marketing several years ago at the Seattle Interactive Conference, and 
I really put a call out there and I just said, you know, we need our, we need our influencers to give us a one pager that can help clients understand the expectations, you know, set expectations, understand what the outcome is going to be and how it's going to deliver ROI on their business. I'm still looking for that. And when we finally get to kind of move forward and re-engage with influencers, that's the piece that I'm going to be asking for again, like help me sell it. Mm -hmm. Like at the end of the day, like I, you know, this partnership means that you got to help me also sell it in. Yes. Yes, for sure. And I have two more questions for you before we wrap this up. This is my own curiosity. What's your opinion on working with nano and micro influencers over like a regular like influencer? So like someone who doesn't have over a hundred thousand followers, subscribers. So I love it. And it's an area where we do focus quite a bit. And to be completely transparent, it's mostly because our clients don't have huge budgets. You know, at the end of the day, a lot of the companies we work for are emerging brands or brands that are really looking to make that break. And so their influencer marketing budget will be quite small. So we do tap into those um, those types of influencers quite frequently. And the thing I do love about it is you do get more authentic Um, content out of it. There's a little bit more of a genuine connection. They're willing to share their feedback authentically. You know, it may not be run as concretely in terms of a business, but it feels like it often aligns more with specific targeted audiences versus sort Mm -hmm. of like a broad swath of, um, of consumers. And I mean, the thing we also are like really cognizant of and our clients are asking us now, this is kind of, this was kind of like the revelation of 2019 is about paid audiences. And our clients are like, okay, how much of their audience is paid? And I, we had to like start asking influencers, did you pay for your audience? About how much of your audience is, you know, was paid for? Um, because the because companies know now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we find we tend to find with the micro influencers that that's less that that's less the situation. Yeah, I've even noticed when because I I know some of my friends can't see likes, but I can see likes. I don't know if in the States they ever got rid of the likes, but in Canada, yeah. a lot of us lost them. And I can, yeah, it was really interesting. I was hoping um, I lost for it, actually. I was hoping that, because Instagram said that they were going to do that get to, to get rid of the likes. But yeah. Have you watched The Social Dilemma? Yes. Yes. And like, even though I knew everything, I was still like in awe. I already knew like all this stuff being a marketing kid. I know. Of course. Me too. And I was just like, this is crazy. And I have an eight year old daughter and I just, that scene with the little girl who, you know, the friend makes fun of her ears. I was just like, oh no. But I do think that part of it is like, how can it be built? How can we could bring it back to community? Like the thing about Facebook when it first launched was like, oh my God, I can find all my friends from high school. I'll be curious to see how it evolves. But yeah, it's a great question. So thank you for asking. Of course. And this is going to be my last question before we wrap it up. But what are the top three things you look for in influencer partnerships, specifically for wellness brands? The top things that we look for would be, you know, the quality of content. And you, I love that you call yourself a content producer because at the end of the day, that is one of the most valuable pieces of that relationship. So the quality of the content, the authenticity behind it, um, what does engagement look like? So again, kind of mm-hmm. really like, what is their audience like? What is their community like? Are, do they have good engagement? Are people like excited? Are, you know, is it bots that are just, you know, putting a like out there? And then I think the next piece would be that they're sort of like 
proactive willingness to help us decide the right path. I love that you do that. And I that's something that we have looked for and that we will continue to look for. Like leaning on the influencer to say, this is what I can do for you. This is how you're going to best reach my audience. And, and then, you know, we talked about this a lot, like diversity, inclusion. Mm-hmm. How are they defining wellness? Is it, does it feel fad-like or does it just feel like, a path forward that really that really kind of means like we're just taking care of ourselves and Mm -hmm. the planet and the people around us I love that and I feel like that's not what most PR agencies look for so I love that you're starting to pave a way and create that space and that environment and set those standards before we end do you have one piece of advice it can be PR related it can be anything that you want to leave our listeners with Oh, that's a really good question. Um, Yeah, I mean, I could give advice all day long knowing how much people really like it. But um, the one thing I would say is for PR people and for listeners, like really to be able to be your authentic self Mm -hmm. in anything you do. So I, this has become my motto. Like I look for what are the superpowers and the people that are around me. I'm like really looking inward, um, getting out of your head a little bit, but like really looking inward, looking into your heart and saying like, what am I really, what is my superpower and what do I really want to put out there? Um, and really just like celebrating that and celebrating it in everything you do. Um, if you're a great writer, if you're, you know, if you're a great connector, um, to just really let that shine in yourself and, and not, you know, sort of confine it by what you think you should be doing or what other people think about you. I love that so much. And where can the listeners find you, Revolution PR? Plug yourself out. Go for it. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. So on Instagram, we're just Rev PR, R-E-V-P-R. Um, online, it's revolutionpr.com. You can always find me on LinkedIn under my name, Jennifer Karkar Ritchie or Rev PR on LinkedIn. Um, I'm accessible, so if you or your listeners have questions or follow-up or thoughts or, you know, send me an email, um, you can go through our main alias, which is just connect at Revolution PR. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for coming on Morning Ray. It was a pleasure having you on. I learned a lot, and I'm sure the listeners learned a lot, so thank you. Thank you, too. I really enjoyed it. I love getting to have the opportunity to talk to you. You're so wise and thoughtful and I'm really excited for what's in your future. Thank you. Well, if you guys enjoyed this episode, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe as it really helps support the pod. Make sure you check out Revolution PR. I love you guys so much and we'll chat soon. Bye guys. Celebrity voice impersonation, not an endorsement. Why go to a single furniture store when you can go to Big Sandy Superstore? Shop and compare America's top five mattress brands, plus Nectar and Purple. And choose from over 22,000 in-stock appliances from the top brands at the guaranteed lowest price. Or furnish the room of your dreams with a large selection of American-built furniture. With financing plans for just about anyone, there's nowhere else quite like it. Big Sandy Superstore. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs) 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.